0: Hi, it's Ian Brody here. Welcome to the More Clients podcast. With me today is my friend Steve Ashcroft from brianfarrington.com. Steve is a lifelong professional um, procurement consultant. Um, He's worked for 33 of the top 100 companies in the UK, plus government, and is increasingly working with uh, professional service firms on the other side of the fence to help them um, with their relationships with procurement. So welcome to the podcast, Steve. Thanks, Ian. Great to be here. I'm going to jump straight in with questions. Um, so, Steve, um, for often I think for consultants or any professional really, who tend to spend most of their time talking to their clients about what those clients need, procurement can seem like a kind of completely different animal, and it can be often, you know, difficult to understand what what do they really want from us. So, as someone who's seen both sides of the fence, both in terms of working with procurement and helping um, service providers to work with, to work with procurement. Can you tell us a little bit about what, what procurement are actually trying to do when they get involved in buying outside services? What are their goals? What do they care about? What do they
1: get worried about? Well, I don't want to be a defender of procurement, but I suppose the starting point, in is to say, frankly, they're just doing their job. And coaches and consultants who are pitching in for work for the large corporates, they're going to have to just deal with procurement's influence. And procurement's job is to get the best price and to minimize risk. So it's those two key metrics procurement are bothered about. So don't take it personally. Um, it, you, you've got to realize that when they're dealing with you, their, their whole aim is, is in order to get your price down. Now, as a, as a small business, as uh, owner-operators, that's always a difficult one, but that's what they're paid to do. Um, you obviously hear a lot about value propositions and how important that is to clients. You know what, I think from uh, procurement, I, they're more bothered about the risk. They really are bothered about that side. They want a safe option. Uh, so I think you've got to be persuasive in making yourself a, a safe option for them. Painful though it is, you've got to tick all the boxes. You've got to be compliant. And if you're going to go through their tendering process, if you're going to do it half hearted please be assured you'll be ruled out. Um, so when it comes to, to engagement with procurement, make sure you are going to bid for things that you really want to invest the time in to win. Okay. So d- d- just, go-
0: one. just going back to risk for a second there, Steve.
1: Um, you just, as you said
0: there, it's one of, and I think we all understand when we've all been working with procurement that they're very focused on price, um, and even though you're trying to t- talk to them about the value. But you mentioned risk as well, and that, obviously that's one of the overriding concerns of procurement people as well. What can a small business or a solo consultant or coach or professional do to position themselves as being low risk?
1: Well, I, I, think, I think the starting point again there, uh, Ian, is to, to recognize that the buyer is thinking, what happens if things go wrong? It would be great if they were thinking about the value of the outcomes and what you can achieve, but mainly they're looking at you and saying that here is a risk, a small organisation engaging with a corporate, and to deal with risk, you've got to respond robustly. You, you, you've got to persuade them, you've got to experience in this area the services you're providing, you've done it in exactly the same types of organisations in the same level of staffs, the staff that you're going to be engaging with. And... You know, cynically, don't believe procurement want innovation or to give you a chance or, or are interested in the diversity opportunities. Convince them. Convince them that you're a safe pair of hands, a track record, a methodology, proposed KPIs on performance, contingency plans. You've got full insurances in place. You can, you're compliant with the contract. You've got put skin in the game. You know, perhaps you've not gone time and materials that you've done some risk-reward. Ensure you no know risk. I mean, Ian, their their driver is the risk of failure,
0: right? So right? I, I guess I guess to them, you know, if you do a brilliant job, you know, nothing happens. But if you fail, <laughs> they're in big trouble. There's no that, kind that, of upside, but there's a lot of downside. That,
1: so to them personally, and to the organisation more broadly, they're looking to seek to mitigate risk as much as possible. By the way, I I, I believe coaches in and consultants have the ability to do that. You've just got to get the, the evidence down on the paper for that.
0: Right, so it's about evidence. It's about proving that you're thinking through, I guess, all the different things that could go wrong and then making sure you've, you've got a plan in place or, or you, you're either mid- preventing it happen or you're, you're addressing it when it does happen.
1: Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that's a that's a good one. So uh, let, let's imagine for a minute, now, we were stuck with project managers and they would get carried away with the risk registers. They would be... And risk registers. What I, what I always recommend to professional service clients is to put together six risks, that They would have, not 36, just six risks with their proposal, but within the risks that you've identified, put forward about how you're going to manage them, how, how you're going to assure them. So you're already allaying concerns early on in your tender proposals. You're assuring them that you've thought about the risks, you've got a plan to deal with it.
0: Okay, so so and I guess if you listed thirty-six risks, it would make it feel like you just come up with a laundry list. You hadn't really thought right. about it, and you didn't really understand the important ones. Right. But if you focus on six big yes. ones, then it gives them a confidence that you actually know what's realistic and what's important. That's good. That's good. Okay, cool. So, what you know, one area quite obviously where procurement get involved a lot is formal tenders and requests for proposals and bids. So. What's your advice for a small business or an individual consultant when it comes to competitive tenders, where you're up against, um, you know, all sorts of competitors, and you've got the formal process to go through?
1: Well, Ian, I'm going to give some tough love here. I think is that when it comes to competitive tenders, uh, genuinely, and I'm going out on a limb here, uh, I don't bother bidding unless you are known to the buying organisation. Now that's pretty tough, I realise, but as a small coach or a consultant. You need to use your time judiciously. And, and um, I'm not saying you won't win if you don't know the decision-making unit on the buy side, uh, but you will be materially disadvantaged. So when it comes to the tenders, make sure that you, you are known to the organisation, perhaps some of the key players in that organisation to make it make it certain. I think on a, on a very practical level, when you say, yeah, I, I want to put forward this, this tender, you know how procurement people seem obsessed with Uh, with a page count or word count in terms of the responses. So in in terms of your tender responses, I ask you to consider a skeleton in terms of the response. So they ask you how how are you going to mitigate risk? How do you propose to manage the process we're going through? Uh, What do you see as the key challenges that are faced by this organisation? Whatever the questions are coming up within the tender document. So a four-stage process, issue, solution... Benefit, evidence. So the issue side of it is give assurance to the buyer that you've thought about the question, you've thought about their organisation, their particular drivers, their objectives of the organisation. Then propose your solution. Say how you are going to meet that particular issue. And and finally, and and Ian, this is more for you than me, is to express the benefit that will accrue. What will be the outcome? At this point, it sounds like a sales message, but to, to allay concerns of the buyer, then give evidence. Oh, and we've done this recently with Ian Brody, and he said, or we uh, found a client that we work with in the investment banking section, they found that. So we go, issue, solution, benefit, evidence. That's the best way to put your tender okay. response. And okay, you're, and you're mirroring exactly the,
0: the, the questions they've asked rather than trying to reformat it into your favorite pro forma and style of answering. You're making it Absolutely. easy for them to know that all their questions have been asked, answered rather.
1: Uh, I, I think so. And, and and the reason we say that is from a buying perspective, in order to be considered by the buyer, you must be compliant. And in order to be awarded the contract, you need to differentiate yourself. Mm. So, they, and, and sometimes creative people particularly get on the side where they, they think they've got the right answer, and we get carried away with the differentiation, but forgetting that there is somewhat pedestrian ideas that need to be addressed to, to satisfy the needs of procurement.
0: So it can be a little bit easy to get, uh, to get ruled out. Um, and I guess, I guess even just, you know, what you don't want to do is create a situation where you've got all the answers in there, but they're not in the places procurement are expecting them to be. They're not clear answers to questions. And if you're making them do loads of hard work, there's the, A, it's annoying, and B, there's the risk they won't find the answer they're looking for. Yes, yes. And as a
1: procurement man, I've, I've got to be disloyal. The best thing for a consultant, a coach to do is try and distance themselves from procurement. Isn't that awful to say that? But I, I think the best way is, is that front-end energy put into building the relationships early on to try and preclude the tenants. Give me some, some pointers that have been found useful. Uh, take that full step approach to dealing with the proposal rather than just say, I'm going to write something that I've found successful in the past. right. And,
0: and, I guess, and I guess the other thing you mentioned there was about differentiation. And as a small business, um, in a competitive tender for a larger corporate, you will always find yourself up against larger competitors. And to some degree, you're always going to be disadvantaged because you know, you're going to be perceived as a, more of a risk because you're smaller. So how can, how can a smaller firm level the playing field and get some kind of differentiation against a big firm?
1: Yeah, well, I I think we can help out there, first of all, is if there is a procurement process that's been introduced to appoint a consultant or coach, think very carefully if there isn't the opportunity to engage in a presentation or an interview. Uh, The reason I say that is the big boys, big girls, big big organisations have got big teams. That's all they're doing for a living. So if it is just the tender document that's going to be the basis for awarding of the contract, Think carefully before you decide to bid in that way.
0: Ah, uh, because you're going to struggle to, to get across in words all about you and, you and who you are and what you can bring when you've got professional riders riding
1: against you. I, I, I think that's the case because, and, and, and perhaps we're, we're massaging people's egos here, but if we can get the consultant or the coach in front of the decision maker, I'm sure they'll be able to sell, it. I'm doing inverted commas here, they'll be able to sell their services much better than thinking about uh, large firms. Example, I've got no axe to grind, but Capita, uh, here, here in the UK, they win 85% of the bids that they uh, engage in. Now, they are a billion-pound turnover company. They've got superb bids. In. Maybe their services are fantastic, but what we're saying is that you're a disadvantaged if you're just putting a tender against a large organization.
0: Because they've got, like, a machine produces yeah. great, high-quality bid documents, Absolutely. but if you can get face-to-face, then you can begin to demonstrate yeah. how you're different and b- begin to build a bit of rapport and a relationship where Absolutely. they may not, usually with those big firms, they're actually staffing more junior teams. That's how they make their money. It is. Um, it's people that the, that the clients see, especially if the client is asked to see the actual team rather than the yeah. salespeople. Yeah. Um then you are going to be able to differentiate yourself there.
1: Well, so so let, let, let's not cry, we've still got to go through this process. <laughs> so what, what we want to do, particularly consultants and coaches, I'm expecting them to have good communication skills. So in terms of the documentation that they're putting in as a tender, if they have decided to put in a tender proposal, can we make it professional? Can, can we make it look just like we'd expect from the large consultancy houses? And I think uh, the power of Word and uh, document, um, um, Macs we can use and Microsoft's tools available to us, we can make it present well. But in terms of scope uh, of, of the documentation, you know, a, a mobilization plan. Now, I'm no expert on Microsoft Project, but include that as an appendix, what your mobilization plan is going to be. Give them them some uh, proposals on how you're managing risk, the management information you're going to provide, the key performance indicators. You you touched on there, Ian, that if there are people in your team that are experts in their areas, let's put them front and centre in the document. Don't just put a little CV at the back. Let's try and talk up our particular strengths. See, that has been, been something key.
0: So so you'd advise kind of, uh, as you're thinking of writing the proposal, you've obviously got the compliance angle of answering the questions and doing it with that four-step process you talked about. But you should also be thinking about, look, let's make sure we put more focus on the things where we actually have a strength, rather than
1: just simply answering all the questions. Ian, you can run this on your own. That's exactly how how I'm seeing it. because it. on the basis that you, you, you are not KPMG or Deloitte we recognise that well what is it you're bringing instead we want you to focus on the individuals who are going to be delivering the service rather than the, the, the sales teams and the big guys and you find the right client who is interested in that delivery you've got a, you've got a distinct advantage excellent,
0: excellent, okay so the other the other situation where procurement are going to get involved is not, not necessarily in the big tenders themselves but let's say You've built a relationship with one of the the, the client executives, a potential uh, customer, and they've really got to like what you what, what you're saying, and they're they're talking to you about doing some work together. But then, of course, they say, "Okay, well that's great. I'd really like to progress with this. We've got the budget, but we just need to pass it through procurement. <coughs> um, wh- wh- what what's going on there? How sh- you know? It, it sometimes it feels like. Oh yeah, they're just going to rub a stamp it, but often you can lose it at that stage. I know from my experience. So what, what's your what's your your recommendations about how you go about approaching procurement? So you're you're not you know you're probably the only person being considered, but you still have to go through procurement. How should you go
1: about it to avoid kind of, falling down a hole somewhere? Well, I, I'm, I'm being straight with you again here, and, and recognise that um, because you've got an advocate in the executive, that's that's a good thing, of course that's. a good uh, but whoa! Don't be cocky with procurement. <laughs> I, think, I think I think I think there is an issue to recognise that they are they are an influencer, and particularly uh, if you look at it, they can be a blocker if, if that's the perspective. Um, and I think a good example of that is where uh, large organizations have said, oh, you're not on the list, you're not an approved provider, you're, you're, you're not on the framework, the, the, those positions, this is an additional one. So they, they can use policy or strategy in order to preclude getting small firms engaging in large corporates. So recognize that there is a, an onboarding process. Um, and just as an aside here, interesting within procurement, it can be a metric in procurement for them to reduce the number of suppliers that the court engages with, which if you think about it is weird, I acknowledge that you, you, you look at it on the one face of it, but if that's their measure, you, you've got to be persuasive to get registered. and That might be another pain you've got to th- go through, you've got to find uh, your VAT numbers and your registration numbers and uh, your diversity and your sustainability issues, those points you're dealing with. But i come back to this one. Wouldn't it be great once you're on the framework? Wouldn't it be great once you were an approved provider? Because look at it—that that executive is your starting point for that corporate, and you could be going through there, and you, you could you could get four years' work, couldn't you, through, through starting these points?
0: What's your recommendation on the timing, Steve? I think that my experience is that most people kind of try and avoid procurement and try and get the you know the the executive to to kind of say yes first and then take it to. Procurement. Do you think that's the right approach or would you advise going earlier? I can imagine procurement almost feeling a bit put
1: out if they're presented with a fait accompli at the end. I, I, th- I think that, that, that's a good point. And if, what, what we've got to do is, is because we're coaches and consultants, we've got to use our time carefully. So the engagement with procurement early on in your sales process, if we're, if we're going to use it that way, building the relationships is certainly important. Uh, what I would do, and perhaps uh, perhaps this wouldn't be be be, uh, be key is then not to say that uh, that oh yeah you've been speaking to a key executive and you thought you'd drop in and say hello you know really we're, we're, we're not looking in those areas so it, it is to if you are looking to build the relationships what I'd seek to do is to say you'd like to know more about how they undertake the procurement processes so rather than you pitching the sale what you what you're pulling them in the position is then being an educator of of you on how they do their procurement, and, and that then will give you a better understanding. But also, buyers, procurement people, they meet hundreds and thousands of potential suppliers. You know, going selling to them, Ian, I, 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 really, I really can't see that as being, being the best use of the time. It's building the relationships, understanding what they're expecting from suppliers rather than what your value proposition is.
0: So that, that sounds like the, time, the best time is kind of somewhere in the middle there, then kind of work with your end client first, figure out, you know, be, be, make sure there is something, you know, really viable going on, but then get to procurement to let them educate you on what they're looking for and how they buy. And that means when you do finalize things with your client, what you then take to procurement can be can cover the things they're looking for
1: excellent I would I would agree with that and so for example say you were dealing with the executive and then you were proposing to go to procurement I wouldn't recommend that you go on LinkedIn and find who that head of procurement is and start trying to build it through there I would I, the, the issue you're doing in terms of building relationship is understanding what the procurement process will be the onboarding process I see that has been useful
0: Okay, so and that you do, you get an introduction from the executive themselves, would you say like that to get a direct (laughs) link there? So it's not kind of schmoozy relationship building, being a friend. It's about (laughs) finding out from procurement how they buy and what they're looking for. So you're not wasting their time when you come to them later.
1: Correct. Excellent.
0: So you're talking about procurement and and how they might might interact. Um, What are some of the tricky questions that you kind of got to be prepared for then that you might get from procurement?
1: Yeah, I, I suppose uh, the, the first tricky question is that the uh, the ultimate power of the uh, buyer is the following: the silence. No oh. silence. <laughs> the silence and way heavy. And 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 uh, our need sometimes on the consultant coaching side is order to to fill that vacuum with with some kind of sales messages. So I would I would ask you to recognize that when you enter into any face to face telephone discussion with procurement person please remember it's a negotiation. Okay, so it, it, it's always going to be that, that position that they're they're pulling themselves in. So kind of questions that, that you might be faced with, uh, who are your three main competitors? Uh, Ian, how how are we going to deal with this? Are we going to name our, our three main competitors or are we going to say it's IBM? What, yeah, what we, that, 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 that's you know? tricky as well. Do you name some weak ones or do you name the real ones? That's the issue. So uh, um. Uh, what things does your organization typically struggle with? That's a good one from, from the buyer side, isn't it? Yeah, because uh, this one, you, you, what are you going to do? Are going to be a salesman and say nothing? You know, we don't struggle with anything? Or are you going to start pouring your heart out? You're feeling under pressure? I've never been spoken to like this. I mean, what if the buyer says to you, what is likely to cause failure in your services? You now these, these are, these, we're coming back to the risk motif over and over again, don't So what, what
0: makes a good answer to those questions?
1: What kind what, of stance would you take? I, I, th- I think in terms of the three main competitors, the one I'm interested in there is to say, well, oh, th- I'm, I'm, I'm doing it more formal because we're doing this audio, but I, oh, I'm trying to understand why you're, why you're looking for other uh, competitors. What is it about us that you don't yet know about? So we can bring it back to us in that discussion. Now, if, if he goes back, so if you take the, uh, take the example is that uh, we're, we're looking at uh, seeking to build a relationship, you may wish to reduce this tension through some humour here at this point, you know, as, as we're dealing with it. So it's in marketing, or have you looked at the Chartered Institute of Marketing members? That might be an area. Is there a specific area you're interested in? So we're building what the scope is of the requirement. Um, with the whole aim of not naming those three competitors.
0: Okay, so you're almost trying, you're questioning them to try and get behind why they're asking the question or to kind of sidestep it. What about the ones about risks and problems and and, and things like that? How would you answer those?
1: Yeah, I I think the the best one to do uh, what your organization struggle with or what are you seeing as as cause of failures in your service is uh, important to stress that we seek to mitigate those failures. Okay, so we're, we're talking, we're, we're going to name what the issue is, but the opening line is we, we seek to mitigate those risks of failures. So you've already given the buyer a clue that what you're going to name next, that you've got an answer for it. Okay, so these are things that could go wrong and are likely to go wrong, but we have plans. Yeah, we've already thought that. We've already thought about these. We've already thought those okay. ones. So, so that, that's the best one. So it, it might be in terms of the coaching. You say, well, it's difficult to get a hold of people in the UK through August. Mm. right? So it, we, we see that one. So you're not saying that your staff are all off on August. They've all gone on holiday in France. You give me the impression it might be the client side, but you've already thought about how you're going to do that with planning through those difficult stages. Got it.
0: Got it. What, about, what about pricing? That's often a tricky question, and, you know, sometimes um – you hear some people saying, you know, you, you should be trying to do risk-reward models or, or, you know, value-based pricing, gain-sharing. O- others, on the other hand, saying, well, look, actually, procurement are just trying to bring the cost down. <laughs> so, you know, so where do you, does that vary by company? What, 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 how do you approach
1: pricing? Well, I, I, think, I think it fits in with the awkward questions again, because when, when the buyer says to you, are you happy to discuss price? That, that's, a, that's a close question, isn't it? So, at this point, the, the only answer's got to be yes. Yeah. So, uh, in, in terms of uh, your proposals on price, what what would be interesting to say, what, what options would you like us to put forward to you to give that buyer that position? What might be something? But I, what, I would, what I would ask the, the, the people listening today is that when it comes to consultancy and coaching, professional services more broadly, um, it's often used on time and materials basis now that's that's great uh, uh, for, from a supply side um, but in terms of in terms of time and materials it really is uh, the, the, the commercial tool of last resort for the buyer right. uh, and they, they see that as not necessarily related to performance and could lead to the supplier extending or delaying projects or to charge more days or more hours. So I would, I would ask you to consider that if you ask the question first what the buyer wants and they say time and materials, well happy days. And I suppose the price is clear and straightforward and it's easy to compare prices for them because it's on unit rates. But uh, I, if, if they are looking for options, what, what you might want to do is go fix price. And I always recommend this to consultants and coaches because on the one hand, Coaches and consultants as attendees they're experienced, they've done this before, they know exactly what they're doing. Well, give us a price that would fit with the procurement budget. Uh, and then, then if the suppliers are delayed, then the customer is not paying more. Well, on the basis you're the coach of consultant and you know what you're doing, well, there, there's not going to be these unforeseen circumstances. Yeah, you should be making sure those things don't happen, yeah. Yet. Now, the downside, of course, is that the... The, the supplier, the coach or the consultant is going to stick to the scope. There's going to be less goodwill in the project, perhaps. Well, in the nicest possible way, procurement started it, didn't they? <laughs> so you, you've got to be careful on this balance. When you put in some fixed price, have you put some contingency in there to, to allow, informed by your grey-haired experience, that you know this is a good fixed price? I think the third one I, I would recommend really in would be risk and reward, gain share or incentivisation. So uh, a pricing uh, based on performance it, it, it illustrates that you're motivated to achieve uh, a certain outcome. Um, of course, there, there are, there's not nothing perfect because that can drive negative behaviours. You just focus on a specific outcome. Uh, if you if you give the advantages and disadvantages to each of those. There's an option for the buyer to consider, the one that suits them best.
0: Okay, so you, so sometimes with pricing you you, you give the the, the, the buyer the, the option over different pricing models and let, and let them choose, as long as you're comfortable that each one of them would work for you. You don't want to be giving them an option that you're not comfortable with, obviously.
1: That's right, and that's why this this, this middle point when you said about building relationships with procurement, that that's the kind of topic you could have. You could discuss that. What options would be ideal when you're buying professional services and, and you know right,
0: so you already know some of their preferred pricing options before you go to them with the actual proposal itself.
1: And and of course what you're doing there, you you, you are illustrating your compliance with their procurement processes. So if they time them materials you just nod staging and said, Oh yes, it's traditional, that's a good idea. You know, and you, you, you you're looking at these positions and being you know for the buyer to then say, Oh, this coach, this consultant, they're not going to
0: cause me problems. Okay, so you're giving them a kind of warm feeling that you're low risk, not just because you've said in a proposal, I'm low risk, (laughs) because (laughs) their interactions with you have shown them that you're prepared to play along with what they're looking for. Yes. Okay, brilliant. Okay, final question, final question. Have you got any more kind of general tips about working with procurement, any kind of good approaches to use that get you on the right side of them?
1: Well, I I think when it comes to procurement processes, uh, they are broadly similar across organizations. Don't get procurement people asking that, of course. But (laughs) what you'd have to know is that uh, Peter Drucker, I love Peter Drucker, culture eats strategy for breakfast. (laughs) Um, And really the approach to relationships with suppliers varies greatly. So in terms of a tip, uh, be prepared that frankly you're going to be loathed because you're a coach or a consultant in some sectors. You're going to have to deal with it. And I'm thinking in hearing uh, particularly around supplier relationships in, I'm not going to name clients by the way, uh, supplier relationships in retail or construction or investment banking. It's it's frankly it's pretty tough how, how they engage with their professional services consultancy people. It's just part of this.
0: It's just part of the, the tradition in that particular sector, isn't yeah. it? That they have antagonistic relationships it trying is. to beat down the price,
1: etc. So so please don't walk away from it. Recognise that you you know your your services are going to be valued in, in operations or in strategy. But getting through that that early stage is going to be hard. You're going to be you're going to be challenged on everything, and what you've got to do is keep your own standards, but be prepared that they're going to have a go at everything. Price, mobilization, deliveries, expenses, report, expenses, for goodness sake, you know, they, they it's going to be the issue. Intellectual property, you know, they, they, they want, uh, pre-IP, never mind what's produced while, while you're working for them. There's going to be a battle to deal with that, and, and Ian, you've got to use that winning smile. You've got, you, just going to get through that as best you can. But you've
0: got to be firm as well. In the well, you, I, mean, that, I guess that goes back to what you said right at the start. They're just doing their job. I think there is a tendency. A lot of us, you know, when we do deliver services, we really want to form a kind of win-win partnership with our clients, and we both give and take, and we're looking out for each other, and we're all on the same side. And it can sometimes, I think, be a bit of a shock that it, when when someone comes into the equation whose job it is not to be like that but deliberately try and get as much as they can for as low a price as possible.
1: Yeah. And, and, and by the way, that's a deliberate strategy so that you continue the warm professional working relationship with the executive, but procurement have, have driven you to despair in terms of what your, your commercial or contractual offer is, but you're still going to deliver the, the service that they require. So Yeah, uh, so
0: they've, what they've done is they've, they've kind of allowed the organization as a whole... To get the best deal without sullying any personal relationship you might have with your actual client because they've used someone else to do it.
1: Absolutely. And and, and you and your client, you know, you may, may both speak badly of procurement. Mm. <laughs> but procurement, in the nicest possible way, don't care because that's their job. They're two metrics, reduce the price and mitigate the risk.
0: Right. So we've just got to bear that in mind, kind of live with it. Don't get fooled into... Um, you know, there are various strategies about win win procurement, and, that, and, that, and that's kind of great about you, know, you giving up something that is low cost to you, high value to them, and vice versa, etc. But don't think for one minute that procurement are your buddies.
1: Correct. I, I think that, that would be true. And, and, and perhaps a final tip in that regard is when you put forward the proposal, is that if, it's, if they require it or not, I'd always recommend that you include an executive summary. A one-page summary of your, of your understanding of the requirement, your proposal. Uh, it, it's an aid memoir for the buyer, so they, when the buyer is speaking with, with their stakeholders, they've got on one page an understanding of what you're going to achieve for the organization because they, they're not reading proposals from page to page.
0: Okay, so so you're kind of making their life easier by giving Absolutely. them something they can use in their job. Okay, That would be, be useful. Okay. Excellent. That is brilliant, Stephen. Thank you very, very much for that. Hey, if people want to find out more, you guys obviously um, consult on both sides. You work with procurement organizations you know, to help them get better at buying, but you also work with, with supplier organizations to help them to get better at tendering and, and, and winning projects through procurement. If people want to find out more, I know, I know you do a newsletter as well about, about procurement. If people want to find out more, sign up for that. Where do they go? Well,
1: Thanks, Ian. Yes, please go to our website, BrianFarrington.com. There's uh, there's a, a sign up page there. We we would love to get our newsletter out too. Out to you all.
0: Brilliant. Thanks again, Steve. Cheers. Cheers.